Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Puck Poolies podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with my partner in fantasy crime, Stephen Ellis. We are presented, of course, by ProLine. And Stephen, we've had a few days apart for the holidays. And before we get into fantasy, I just have to get your reaction to what happened to Canada at the World Juniors. Are Are you pulling your hair out? Are you declaring a national crisis? What's going on? Watching that, Canada, they all play the checks in a lot of areas. They just did not do it on the score sheet, which is what matters. So I think once Canada kind of really kind of irons their game out, doesn't, you know, maybe they start actually playing defense. Uh, maybe they actually go and stop taking penalties. I think they've got the talent to make it work. But right now, it feels a little concerning that it's a one-line team. But mm-hmm. they were talking one one actual game that counts here. So it's a little early. Yeah, I, I think so. But it was interesting. I could hear echoing in my mind like a a, a, a co- the ghost of coach's corner pass i could hear don cherry's voice saying you kids i tell you right now don't do this michigan you try to embarrass the other team okay kids you watch it at home don't do it that's what i was picturing when i saw <laughs> connor bedard do, attempting it and hitting the goalie in the face and i don't know it, it seemed like they Fantilli were tried it too Fantilli tried it too and this was yeah. when it was a zero zero game yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's crazy because it seems like such a stacked team, but it seemed like a bunch of individuals out there. But I digress. Of course, this is a fantasy podcast, not a prospect podcast. We will get into some prospect talk, but let's shift gears to fantasy and quickly, Stephen. Tell me what's going on with your team right now. Well, uh, last week uh, it was obviously it was the Christmas week. We're going into a bit of a more of a shorter week. And uh, I want to say it was about the 22nd. I was 150 points back and I was about to lose my second uh, week in, in three weeks and uh, put Elias Pedersen in the lineup. Uh, he had an incredible night and that lifted me over. I think I won by about 15 points. So it was probably the biggest comeback of, uh, of the season. So now I'm sending a 9-1-0 and I've got a pretty favorable matchup this week. So I'm, I'm liking it. 
That's huge. It's funny. So we are both riding comebacks on the on the the strength of Elias Patterson because I uh, had a huge divisional win, got me back into a playoff spot in, in my division, which is everybody in my division has sort of a lower record because there's a, a guy tanking in another division. So he's inflating everybody's record who gets to play that team over and over, which is a point mm-hmm. of controversy. But Pedersen carried me to a big win over the division leader. I'm right back in the mix now, one point out of the division lead. So I'm back, baby. Thank you to Mr. Pedersen. And uh, let's let's launch into to the meat of the podcast. What do you got for me, Stephen? All right. It's time to talk about the shallow league pickup of the week. And this is a guy, Tyler Toffoli, obviously in the Calgary Flames, having a good season. Uh, we kind of knew what he was capable of in Montreal, and he's he's healthy. He's looking good. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, there's a tendency in fantasy circles, especially fantasy hipsters, to just assume every good pickup has to be a breakout prospect, a young stud, but sometimes it's just a boring veteran. And that's the case for Tyler Toffoli, who's available in 27% of leagues. And he quietly has got eight goals, 15 points in his past 15 games. So he's returning to the level he was at a couple years ago in Montreal when he was flirting with the goal scoring lead for, for portions of that season. And we know he's trusted by Daryl Sutter. There's a connection dating back to their time when they won a Stanley Cup together in LA. Toffoli was on the 2014 Stanley Cup winning team. And I was looking at his ice time. It's, it's up over 17 minutes a game during that 15 game point per game stretch. So he's playing on the top line. He's on the top power play. And it just doesn't need to be overthought here. It's just someone who should be owned in probably almost every league, including the shallow ones. This next one, Eric Gustafson. And I remember pretty early on, I want to say it was 2019. It was kind of when he was on that really like hot season, 60 points. And I remember going to you and specifically saying, why is no one talking uh, talking about him? And one of the arguments kind of against Eric Gustafson was he put up a lot of points, but it was a lot of meaningless points with the Chicago Blackhawks. Then for a couple of years, he wasn't putting up a lot of points. Now it looks like he's kind of back on track. Yeah, it's really strange. He's available in 74% of, of leagues, Yahoo leagues. And at first glance, you think, oh, who cares? Eric Gustafson, he's not fantasy relevant. He got a random hat trick against Toronto. It was all even strength. It wasn't a thing you could ever repeat again. But I looked a little closer and I'm like, okay, it's actually seven points in his last four games. So even if you remove the hat trick, that's still, that would be four points in four games. So he's actually producing a big sort of explosion of points. He's playing well over 20 minutes a night, and he's playing on the top power play, which is especially relevant as the Capitals try to feed Alex Ovechkin. They're just trying to just fill the net and and chase that goals record. And now we have John Carlson maybe seriously hurt, taking that puck to the head out indefinitely. I know Gustafson plays the other side, but it just sort of solidifies the idea that the Capitals need him to be the anchor on the power play because Carlson is really important to that power play. And it's funny, I want to give a shout out to the late Mike Bossy. He's the one who sort of painted this picture for me. I was doing a story on Ovechkin years ago, and he said that John Carlson was the key to Ovechkin being so deadly on the power play. The reason why Ovi's always open for that one-timer is because uh, Carlson is also a threat with his shot. So you remove Carlson from the equation. You need somebody who can be a threat from the point. And I think Gustafson can be that guy. So it's probably a temporary pickup, but I think he's actually relevant in fantasy for the short term, working that Capitals power play. We're on the deep league now, and this is a guy, Ukapeka Luokinen, a guy that I was very high on when he was drafted, when seeing him play at Finland, going to Sudbury, and it feels like it's taken a bit for him to kind of get his mark, but now just kind of the opportunity is working out in Buffalo. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we forget about goalies sometimes when they are mega prospects and it seems like it's not going to happen, but then they're like pitchers in baseball. They mature late. A good example would be Jacob Markstrom, who was a mega prospect 
when he first was drafted. It took him so long that he didn't even become you know a regular NHL player until his mid to late twenties. Um, but now it's like okay, Markstrom's had a pretty solid career, and it it sort of connects to what was supposed to be his trajectory. So you look at Uko Pekalukkanen, available ninety two percent of Yahoo leagues, second round pick in twenty seventeen, and. When Stephen and I at the time were both at the Hockey News and he was really high on prospect boards. He was considered a, a future star, I'd say. I don't think that's that's exaggerating. Got the big frame, 6'5", almost Pekarine-ish body type. Um, and of course, we know that injuries really slowed his development. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I think he had a season-ending surgery that almost cost him an entire season when he was coming up. Um, but now we have Eric Comrie, who's also looking good early this season for Buffalo. He's been out. The door opens for Lukanen. And he's been alternating starts with Craig Anderson. Uh, and the Sabres as a team, they had that big slump, but they're heating up again. And you have Lucan in 4-1, and 9-17 save percentage in the past five games. And again, Craig Anderson's been really good, but given his age, he's not going to be able to play that much. So I don't think that opportunity is going to shrink. And it's not like Comrie was so entrenched in the job that Ukapeka Lucan can't steal it while Comrie's out. So I think that's an intriguing, again, maybe short-term pickup, but there's some long-term upside there as well. Of course, Devin Levi could be the main goalie of the future in Buffalo, but I think Lucan, a much bigger goalie, has just as much of a chance to be that guy because he has the pedigree too. So I think that's a fun goalie to speculate on right now. And we can't forget about Eric Portello, who they did try to turn pro so that he could have a shot this year. And he's another one of the better NCAA goalies. So uh, this is, uh, it, it's a, I think the one missing piece with the Sabres was kind of who that goalie was going to be. And they've got a few options. And I think Luokan was kind of, it felt like we ever almost kind of just gloss him over because it did take him a couple of years in the AHL to kind of finally get his opportunity, but he's making the most of the opportunity. And that's a good thing about Buffalo where, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, whatever, but, if they do, if they end up getting some great goaltending, that's a huge bonus. And that's what they're looking for right now uh, in their young goaltender. Uh, this one here, the WTF pickup of the week, and that is Michael Bunting. And that one's interesting because I just go back and just default. Even though I'm, I'm at a lot of these Leaf games, I go back to the default of him doing absolutely nothing at the beginning of the season and kind of ignoring the fact that he's just on an absolute heater right now. That's right. And it's almost like... Maybe playing in the big market actually worked against him because his struggles at the beginning of the season were so high profile that it's almost like, is that what's burned into people's minds? And are they were they assuming he was still struggling? This time for the WTF pickup, I actually wrote an F-bomb in my notes. Like, what the F are people doing here? He's available in 38% of leagues, and he has 18 points in his last 18 games. He's plus 18 over that span. So if your league counts plus minus, even more value there. He's averaging about a hit a game, maybe two shots a game. He's been moved around more because Sheldon Keefe in general has juggled the Leafs lines more than normal. Even Matthews and Marner getting split up sometimes. So it's harder to track, okay, where Bunting's been, fair enough, whereas he was really entrenched with Matthews and Marner last year. But the bottom line is, for the most part, Bunting is still playing in the top six. He's getting the opportunities, and he's just putting up a lot of points. And to be available in more than a third of leagues is crazy to me. I don't understand it. And that's why this is the quintessential WTF. It's just like, what? What's happening? Why is this player available? I just, I need someone to explain it to me. And I, again, I always say I want to be in these leagues where he's available because that's just free money right there. He's taken to my league by like a hardcore Leafs fan. So he was kind of there from the beginning and he just did not want to give up on him when he was struggling at the beginning of the year. He's not struggling. He's kind of paying off right now. And he was a guy I just played in the last week where I just caught back up to him. He's the only guy that's beaten me in the league, too. So uh, it was kind of nice to have that happen. And it's time for your tip of the week. And uh, I just put down weaponized, but uh, you can explain it much better. 
Yeah, weaponize the standings is the way I, I explain it. And another way to put it is prey on the desperate. So I think we're in a sweet spot of the year, the fantasy calendar for trading, because you are late enough into the fantasy season that teams sort of know who they are, but you're also not so late that, that too many teams are out of the race and have no motivation to do anything. So there's that sort of in-between juncture, because if you wait to the trade deadline, sometimes there aren't as many suitors if there are teams that have fallen way out of the race. But right now, it's just early enough that I think every single team could still feel like it has a chance to make a run. But it's deep enough that teams might be frustrated and think that they really need to change. And I think the psychology of the new year is a real thing. You're playing against human beings. And I think mentally, start fresh. You reevaluate things. You're getting past the holidays. It's a quiet time of the year because people don't spend as much money. They don't do as many things. They don't go to as many parties. They're sitting at home. It's cold. You have less to do. And yes, I'm getting really into the psychology here, but that's how I play. You got to play your opponent, not just the numbers. And I think people are more bored. They're more likely to be sitting at home, playing with their phones, wanting to make moves, wanting to make trades with their fantasy team, getting restless if their team's not doing well. This is the ideal time, once you hit January 1st, to start messaging your, your league mates, finding out who is upset with how their team is doing, prey on that desperation, and sell them on the fact that it's not too late to turn things around. And I think that is why it's a perfect time to make the move, to get in on that trade action. Looking at that mentality is actually kind of interesting because you, you, you're looking at it and say, yeah, people are at home. They may not working as much. They might be looking at their phone more. And it's like, that's actually an interesting way of looking at it. It's like they might just be like bored and looking to make a trade for the sake of making a trade. And I can tell you that's currently happening in my league. I'm not going to say what yet because I'm still hoping this trade works out, but uh, I might be landing Connor McDavid. We'll see. Well, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm a villain. Like I, I am admittedly a heel and a villain in my fantasy leagues because I do these psychological things, but it's just, it's, it's my way to win. And Steven, as I'm talking right now, I, I have one of, <laughs> I have one of my wife's hairs in my mouth somehow. <laughs> it's just a full, a full strand of hair. I have to take it out because it's affecting my ability to talk. What the heck? Okay. Easy enough to say. Exactly. Okay. So next up, it's time for our guest. And it's funny, we, we like to fashion our show, ourselves on this show to be fantasy experts. But this is going to be one of those times where we bring in someone that from a fantasy GM perspective, I'm intimidated by because I think she has the ability to beat us. She is very well known for her track record of fantasy hockey domination in recent years. And that is the athletic staff writer, Shana Goldman. So we're going to bring her on next. Welcome back to Puck Pooley's everybody. Time for a very special guest. And most of you probably know her as a staff writer at the, at the Athletic, one of the co-hosts of the very popular podcast, Too Many Men, and of course, one of the minds behind the coaching database, behind the benches. We're going to ask about that as well. Shayna Goldman, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So I, I wanted to dive right into it and talk about fantasy and how it sort of intersects with your love of analytics, because I've been following your work for a long time. I use it as a resource a lot as well, especially looking at your previews when it comes to the playoffs. Love the work you do there. Um, so for you, I'm curious, just in terms of the order of, of when you became interested in these things, were you a fantasy player who discovered analytics later and then got better as a result? Or were you always interested in the data side of things? And did that drive your interest in fantasy? 
So I was always interested in the data side of things. I wanted to prove that Anton Stroman was a good player. And I think everyone has a story like that. They wanted to prove someone was good or bad. And when I started playing fantasy hockey, which was just kind of by chance, um, I knew that there were things that we could use to dive a little bit deeper. So anything that I could use to my advantage, I started to. So instead of just looking at a player's shots on goal, I wanted to know how many shots they were attempting and things like that. And it just kind of spiraled from there. So obviously most fantasy hockey websites, their stat counting is pretty generic. It's a goals assist and everything. But have you, would, would you say analytics kind of helped you a lot in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, it would help to have better categories sometimes, like if we didn't have to factor for plus minus or, you know, categories like that. But I think it does help because you can look at the opponents. Say you want a player who's going to have games against the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, and... Ottawa, you know that they're going to get a lot of shots that week. So you can try to, you know, factor that in. Or maybe you're looking for block shots and you don't want to just sort by blocks because it's it's a little bit bland. There's no advantage. Everybody can do that. Maybe you want to look at who their opponents are. If they're playing Boston, Florida, and Carolina, teams that are top five in shot generation, you know that's going to give you a better chance of, you know, having success that week. And then, you know, you could look at things individually too. What about a player's individual expected goal total? That might tell you that they're generating a lot of shots, but not, you know, finishing their chances. And then you kind of have to use your perspective of what you watch as well. Someone like Zach Hyman, he always has a big gap between expectations and reality. So, you know, he's a good fantasy player. One, he plays with Connor McDavid. Two, he's putting up points. But if you just are looking for goals, maybe don't go for someone who has a problem finishing his chances. I see. Geez, this is, I'm already getting some ideas here. I should be writing these down, especially the, <laughs> I've never thought of that approach, approaching blocks based on the opponent. I'm always looking at the player, you know, what are his patterns and blocks per game, but, or blocks per 60 minutes. But if you're factoring in how many pucks are going to get peppered on his net, I'm like, oh my God, how did I not think of that? So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try that. I think, <laughs> like, Cause my league has daily transactions. I might try it literally tonight. Um, I'm curious, so running behind the benches, I know, which is a really detailed database of, of coaching deployments and every team's coaching breakdown of who's doing what type of position within each coaching staff. Again, really valuable resource if you haven't looked at it before. So I'm curious, is there an advantage you can get from that type of knowledge from a coaching perspective? So an example being, you know, understanding the effect that Spencer Carberry has on power play in Toronto. Maybe you knew that going into the season that the Leafs power play points are going to be up, whatever it is. I'm curious for you, Shana, is there an advantage to be gained from that looking at the coaching side? I think so, because I think I don't think we fully understand the impact of assistant coaches. I think it's something that we overall need to explore more, but it does help to know who handles what. You know, we hear this is the coach who handles the defense, the offense, and sometimes it's left at that. So it helps to know, you know, someone like Bradshaw, you could look at and go look at his success in Columbus with the penalty kill. And then you can, you know, measure that by the numbers and then look at Vancouver, the fact that they didn't use him on the penalty kill. And then you fast forward to his time in Philadelphia and you look at the changes. You can start to learn about specialties. And it also helps too when, you know, we're talking about a new coaching hire. We all say the same 10 coaches that have been in the same head coach circles. It'd be nice if we break out a little bit more, whether it's someone from minor leagues, which we don't have enough data on right now, but assistant coaches as well. Maybe we know this coach was a really good manager like Lane Lambert. Look at the success he had under Barry Trotz. Maybe he's someone ready to break out. So, you know, we tried to gather information to help us understand that a little bit more. So you've got a lot of expertise on the teams of the Hudson River area, teams like the Rangers, the Devils, Islanders. Uh, I guess of that, that group, which team do you think has the, the best chance of being a true contender? Um, so I don't think it's the Devils, honestly. And I think 
I think that there's too much that can go wrong there with their goaltending. I think that they're going to be in the playoff mix. I think the Rangers are. I'm going to say I think it's the Islanders because the Islanders were legitimate contenders last year and everything went wrong for them. They didn't have the COVID breaks that they should have had. They had injuries. They had everything go wrong. And at the end of the season, they were finally healthy and they looked like the team we expected them to be. Would it have helped if they added someone over the summer? Absolutely. They should have added a forward. They still should add a forward. But I think they have a good core. This is the window to maximize. And Sorokin's playing incredible hockey. So now that they're mixing in a little bit more offense, if they can refine the defense that they are slipping on a bit, and I think having, you know, Adam Pellick healthy is going to help that too. I think that they're the team to watch of the three. Okay. See, I'm glad we asked that. I'm learning stuff because I'm like, okay, I have the devil's goaltending tandem as my number two tandem in my league. And I'm thinking, do I need to start selling high on VTech Vanacek as I can continue? I haven't you might've looked... missed your chance, honestly, unless okay. things start, you know, I've been benching him for the last week and I'm contemplating if I'm just going to drop him, if things don't trend, you know, the opposite way. Okay. I'm starting to sweat. I just have to hope <laughs> that my league mates are not listening to this episode. Sometimes they do, but maybe I'll just start making offers as soon as we're done <laughs> recording this show. <laughs> Um, so Shana at daily Faceoff, I know people uh, refer to Frank Cervelli sometimes as the Frank bombs when he drops a trade, but I noticed a new trend recently in the last year or two, Shana bombs are starting to become a thing <laughs> reporting on the New York side of things. So I'm curious, are these sort of isolated incidents where you get a bit of insider knowledge and you blast it out there, or are you looking career-wise to keep trending in that direction and become more of an insider and newsbreaker? Yeah, no, I'm not looking to become that at all. Um, it's, it's funny when I get bits of information. Uh, I'm just as surprised as everyone sometimes. But now, like, I know it's going to be a thing. And I think it's kind of funny to be, like, a little bit of a disruptor because we know we expect, like, the likely sources. So anytime it could come from someone else, it's like, you know, hockey's version of Gossip Girl getting to do this. So anytime you can sprinkle in a little bit of information, I think it's... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's fun, and anytime, like, it's it's coming from a different voice. I think it makes it a little bit more interesting. That's great. Uh, before we let you go, I want to ask you one more question. Um, I remember... I was talking to Kyle Dubas. So this was 2014. It was right after he got hired. 
as an assistant GM and we were talking about analytics at the time. And I remember he said something like hockey's 20 years behind baseball. The, the real stats that we're using to evaluate player skill and so on, we're not even, we haven't even found them yet. That's how far behind we are. So I'm curious for you, do you see another stat, like sort of a, a new frontier coming, a way to look at data that we haven't really normalized yet that's on the horizon? Um, I think if we had more private data, tracking data, things like that, we'd have a little bit more information on passing because passing so influential and we're looking at shot data and we're working without any pre-shot movement. And a lot of models like hockey viz and natural stat trick involving hockey, they all have proxies for it, like, you know, second chance opportunities and rush attempts. And they try to track them that way and they do a wonderful job with but everyone's, you know, held back by the information that they have. I think having passing data would make us smarter offensively. I think it would make us smarter studying defense. I think defense is something we all need to get a lot better at. So if things like stick check, uh, stick checks and, you know, effective hits, checks that separate the player from the puck. If more of that was in the public sphere, I think that that would help. Um, it would be interesting to have more goaltending data where the puck's going consistently. So when we talk about expected goals and a player has a better percentage chance of scoring from this angle, this shot, then we factor in their shooting talent. Then we could factor in maybe what goalie they're going against and where the puck's going on net. Do they have a tendency to allow five hole goals or a high blocker? There's a lot more and private companies are starting to, you know, have that information. So teams are getting a lot smarter. But it's it's all a question of when it trickles into the public sphere, if it ever does, because we have data and we're working with it. And I think everyone's doing the best that they can, but it would help to have more information and then see what the public model builders could do with it, because they're the ones that, you know, start some of the trends that teams start looking at. We see teams hiring, you know, people out of the public sphere all the time. Very well said. And before we let you go, uh, do you want to plug anything that you have going on at The Athletic or on Too Many Men or what's happening in the next few days for you? Um, so we just released the best of 2022, which is with Dom Lushishin. So we have the best, the worst. And this week I'll have something on the best finishers of the year. So of the calendar year, who's scoring the most goals by shot type and who's scoring the most above expectations. And then I'm just rounding out the month with the December vibe check. So we'll see, you know, who's running hot, who's trending in the wrong direction and things like that. Amazing. Well, Shana, keep up the awesome work. Love the insights today. We gladly, gladly have you on again if you'll come back and uh, enjoy the second half of the NHL season. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, that was awesome from Shana. And now, Stephen, I want to give the floor to you. It's time for the prospect update. So who do you have your eye on right now from a fantasy perspective? Well, I'm going to Boston. I guess right now we're going to Sweden for the World Juniors right now. Fabian Lysel. Uh, it's kind of funny watching him play. This guy, uh, he's got so much skill. He's so quick. He's got a fantastic shot. But sometimes it feels like he's a Lamborghini among smart cars where he's out there out racing everybody. And then no one's there to keep up with him. And plays just kind of go for dead. Um but that's kind of a junior hockey thing. That's kind of an AHL hockey thing. I think when you get to the NHL, that's not as big of an issue. I think everyone should be able to kind of handle playing with him. So he's kind of a guy, I think, when he gets to the NHL, he'll do a lot better than we ever expected just because all that skill is there, but plays would just die because he would 
again, he would get to the other end and it's like, if he's not able to shoot or if he's outnumbered, then, then the play's dead. I think when you got guys who can play a good role, I think a year of playing with Patrice Bergeron would be, you can unlock a ton of things from lifestyle. And obviously we don't know how many more years Bergeron's got left or if they even bother trying that duo. But I think that with the right centerman who's smart, and can set him up. He can go out there and just, you know, maybe it's just something where you have him stand there and just firing shots because he does that so well. Uh, so in terms of prospects, he's one of the more fun, um, forwards to watch he's having a really good season with the Providence Bruins and now he's with the world junior team so we'll kind of see how that kind of lines up and uh yeah he's easily one of my favorite prospects to watch but it's just kind of like it's sometimes so weird just how much quicker he is than most players for sure and I'm wondering uh, when it comes to Lizelle like if you're the Bruins and you're having this amazing season that no one really expected you, you don't know if Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are going to retire or, or leave after this season you have David Pasternak who's not resigned yet do you consider like do you do you are you willing to trade a Fabian Lysel if it can get you you know Patrick Kane or something if you're going all in I would 100% say that 100% agree and I think that would be a, a very nice fit for um, the Blackhawks obviously they would need a good centerman long term but yeah like uh, something like that I think that he's a, definitely a trade piece if the Bruins are looking to to win now and you gotta you gotta look at that and say yeah because it's kind of like the thing about win now situations is when you got prospects that are ready to take that next step forward sometimes they kind of get left out because it's like they're ready to shine but the team's falling apart in their first few years is them not really doing anything because the team sucks um mm -hmm. so maybe it is worth going out there you try to I'm always for the go and win this Stanley Cup because you can go get all these good young prospects and not turn it into anything. The Edmonton Oilers, Toronto Maple Leafs are perfect examples of that. Go and do what it takes to win now. And if that means trading Lysel, I think there's enough teams that'd be looking to to move a pretty good player to have him in their stable. Yeah, I think so. I, and I think what the precedent is now is if you're trading a player that's that has that much potential, it's got to be for someone you can re-sign. I think that's sort of the new unwritten rule if you're getting a, a middling prospect or you're you're getting you're giving up a first round pick a player you haven't chosen that's okay for a rental but if you're giving up one of your best or your best prospect these days usually you see the player coming the other way actually re-signs as part of the deal so i wonder if the bruins were to trade lysel would it have to be for someone they can keep beyond this year it'll be interesting to see uh, okay, Stephen, now it's time for our best bets segment presented by ProLine Plus. And ProLine, it's not just another sports book. It's the only one that gives 100% of the profits back to Ontario. So if you're playing it, you're sort of like if you want to pay for any government-related services, you're sort of giving back by playing ProLine Plus. It's been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years now, offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. That's the plug, of course. And now let's talk about the actual bet, which I'm making using the ProLine Plus app. I'm looking at the Wednesday game, the puck line between the Montreal Canadiens and Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not necessarily picking the Habs to win this game, but I'm looking at that plus two. I'm thinking, okay, if there's an ideal moment for an upset, maybe it's coming off the holiday break, the roster freeze. Maybe players have a little bit of extra turkey in their bellies. There's a little bit of a hangover coming back from that. Maybe a team like Tampa Bay at home might be overlooking a weaker team like Montreal. And Montreal, we know, they are willing to go to war for Martin St. Louis. St. Louis, this game could matter a lot to him coming to play his old team in Tampa Bay. Maybe it's something the Habs get up for. And again, 
not saying they win, but just push Tampa to the brink. I like that plus two on the puck line. Yeah, I like it. It's like, you know, St. Louis, obviously Tampa Bay, you know, that connection. If there's any, there's a reason to win any game. I think you want to go out there and do the one where it's a personal connection for the guy running that group. Yeah. And, and before we move on, uh, I will say that's, that's just one example of how to make a bet using the app, but also a fun way to play as well is ProLine pools, which is just picking straight up winners. You take a slate of games, you can pick winners, you can choose certain number of games to box where you can get the winner either way. So it ups your chances of winning. And it's sort of a, a good initiation because it's so simple. I do it with my friends for football, but that's another way to play. Just look up pools if you're on the app. It's a lot of fun. And I guess, Stephen, it's time for questions. We don't have too many this week. I think people are a little sleepy with the holidays. Not many NHL games, but we did have, I think, three questions coming this week. So let's tackle them. All right. The first question comes from uh, Javier Jose, I believe it is. Javier, sorry, my bad. Uh, JT Miller or Bo, Bo Horvat, rest of the way, points only league. Who do you choose? Yeah, it's funny. Bo Horvat's having this incredible season and he's been flirting with that 60 goal pace. But to me, it's very telling when JT Miller's had a bad year and Bo Horvat's having an amazing year and they're only like five points apart. It sort of tells you how high JT Miller's floor is. And again, this is a points only question. I think that JT Miller is more of a natural point accumulator, more of a natural score. When I say score, I don't mean goal score. I mean point score. He just has more ways to get points than I think Bo Horvat does. I also think Bo Horvat just has more responsibility on the ice from a two-way perspective. So if I'm betting on just pure points the rest of the way, I do think that JT Miller will outscore Bo Horvat. We also don't know where Bo Horvat is going to end up. So he's, there's a really good chance he gets traded. And it's going to be great for real life, but what if you get traded to Colorado and you're the number two center or a team with a contender where they're second or third line, they're, you're their depth now, but you're maybe you're not getting the same deployment on the top power play. Something like that, because Bo Horvat can do so many different things well. It could actually work against him in fantasy, depending on where he goes in a trade. So I prefer JT Miller in points only for the rest of the way. I like that one. This one's from Jimmy Hancock. Who is your best bounce back player for the second half of the season? Yeah, it's a fun one. We've actually referenced him already on this episode. It's Patrick Kane in Chicago. And I actually am attempting to prove this right. I traded for him in my keeper league. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. I made a keeper trade, Kevin Fiala, for two expiring contracts. We have contracts in our league. I got Taylor Hall and Patrick Kane. And of course, I'm speculating on the idea of a Patrick Kane trade out of Chicago. He's been really bad by his standards. Five goals, 25 points in 32 games. This is the worst season of his career, easily. Um, but he's still shooting the puck a ton. He's generating a lot of chances. And I know it's not a guarantee that he decides to wave his claws and get traded, but I think he will. I think he's going to eventually realize he wants out of the situation and an exciting team's going to come calling. You're telling me that if the Oilers, for example, decided to make a run at Patrick Kane, that he's going to say no, or the Leafs, or I mentioned the Bruins, or a chance to play with Artemi Panarin again with the Rangers. I don't think Patrick Kane's turning that down. And I think when he gets traded, that is the definition of a league winner. You could have a situation where Kane gets traded, forms a super line, and he gets like 30 points in his last 20 games to end the season. That's that's a league winner right there. So I really like him as a bounce back. He's someone I'd be trying to buy low because this is the lowest his value has ever been going back to his rookie season. So get in with that low ball offer on Patrick Kane. And this is one that I'm going to actually answer. It's from Jake Hammett. Could Shane Wright turn a good World Junior Championship tournament into a more prominent role if Seattle might look to tackle him for my keeper? And I will say it's 
still kind of tough. I'm hard to, uh, I'm a huge Shane Wright believer, but I feel like this could be something where this might take a couple of years. And if you're willing to go for, if you're willing to wait and obviously in a keeper league, yes, go for it. But there's going to be some prospects that are going to come in there. You might want to take a run at otherwise with, when it comes to Shane Wright, I think all it took was just for him to get his confidence back because this is a guy that's been dominant everywhere he's played. He goes to the NHL. He's playing a role. He's never had to play at any level of competitive hockey. And from a mental side, that's tough. And I know people say like, you know, if you're so good, you'll make the most of these opportunities. But I think we can look at it. And for as good as Seattle was at the start of the year, the Kraken, I'm not not sure he was surrounded by the best line mates to really get the most out of him. I think he needs to be some really good players. But he's the smart He's one of the smartest young centermen in the in the NHL that I've ever seen. Um, and we're watching him at the juniors where if you look at the pre-tournament and then in that loss to Czechia, I thought he's looked very solid. And he played well in the AHL. He scored in his first game back in the NHL. So he's kind of got this stretch where while he hasn't played a ton of games, he's going out there and producing. And I think he needs to keep doing that. I, I'm, I'm still a little hesitant on this year, him being a goodbye, but I think if you're looking more long-term, I still believe Shane Wright is going to be very valuable. Maybe not so much as Connor Bedard, who we're talking about as like the next Connor McDavid quality player, but, and you know, he does a lot of good things that are not statistical. He's very good defensively. He's very smart distributing the puck, things like that. But I think that just, he's going to be, once he's surrounded by the right players, if you give him Jagger Fergus, who's one of Seattle's best prospects, and let's say two, three years down the line, he's on the wing there with Shane Wright. I think you're going out there and you're going to get a stupid number of points and he's going to really unlock his potential there. So in the short term, I'm still not convinced that it's a good decision, but I think if you look in long term, 100% buy on him while there's still a lot of people down on him. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, well said. And I wonder too, I keep sort of making connections to other things we've talked about on this episode, but is there sort of like a Bo Horvat ceiling for Shane Wright based on his skill set and sort of what he brings as a smart player at both ends of the ice he's he's kind of to me i think that he's more patrice bergeron i mm-hmm. think there's that's kind of the guy where there was a lot of people when you're looking at it and if, if you're saying bedard is is mcdavid then i do think maybe the reason why these two are compared is these guys were kind of coming up at the same time um bergeron and, and right i think is a bit of I, I think he's a better player than than Ho- horvat was is but is obviously the situation if you're looking at it situationally wise i don't think he's going to be second line center this year i think he's going to be deeper in the lineup not getting those opportunities he needs um but long term i'm thinking there's a lot of pressure on there okay which i guess is also looking back to the last question yeah that's our true. last topic oh yeah that's right it ties in so we're doing the starting lineup it's my turn to challenge steven at the end of this episode and I'm gonna I'm gonna lob you a nice juicy softball here as a, as a holiday present for you, Stephen. I want you to name your top six World Junior Championship players of all time. Go. So I'm gonna go and preface this by I only pick players that I've seen play. I'm not gonna yeah. say Wayne Gretzky's my favorite because I never saw him play. I'm gonna go with number six, Carey Price. Obviously, watching him at the juniors in 07, watching what he did in that shootout and kind of just throughout the whole tournament, he had a perfect record. I think the other goalie was Leland Irving, if I'm correct, but no one remembers that because it was the Carey Price show that year. Uh, number five, PK Subban. He became one of my favorite players growing up, just watching him go out there and pull off those random spinoramas that didn't need to happen, but he was entertaining. And I think that's what made showed hockey could be a lot of fun. And Subban obviously personified that when he got to the NHL. Number four, Mason McTavish, watching him do what he did last year. Uh, 
just alone that save he made was so cool. But I think it was just like, this is a guy that looked like he should have been playing pro hockey already going out in junior and just seeing what happens when a pro quality player can dominate a tournament. I thought that was a ton of fun. Number three, Kirill Kaprizov. And he watching him just decimate goalies uh, over in Toronto a couple of years ago with Russia, uh, I think was just hilarious because like I don't think anyone knew when he was coming over at that point, and it was a while. But he went out there and got nine goals. He was just like every shot seemed to be going in. He just did so much. Obviously, we know the quality of the player he is now with the Minnesota Wild. Number two. Can't go without saying Dennis Gobla. I was there for that bronze medal game against Sweden where everyone's cheering his name. It happened a few times in that tournament. And this is a guy that hasn't really turned it on in his career. You know, he's a lot of people said, oh, is he going to get drafted? I think he's a perfect example of why this is just a small sample size and should not be used as a, oh, this guy's going to be good because he's good for a couple of weeks. But uh, Godla, you know, he's having a career in Europe and we're going to see him more, I think, with Slovakia's national team. And number one, as a Canadian, I think I have to say Jordan Eberle and just seeing kind of just those two years, how good he was uh, in those key moments. It was kind of like he's my generation's Paul Henderson, where he just showed up there in the big moments. And uh, I'm not even sure that he was the in that kind of that time range. I'm thinking like Braden Chen's probably the best Canada player that they had. But Jordan Eberle was this guy that just showed up in the big moments for two years. And I think that's like, yeah, it, it, it's hard to ignore him there. So those are my picks. That's a good list. And I like the way you differentiated it by making it guys you've seen. Cause I would have assumed like Peter Forsberg would have been the easy number one because he has all the records and had all these crazy point totals. But this is sort of a curveball making it just based on who you've seen, which I think is fun. And that's a fun way to end the episode, Stephen. Thank you to my co-host, of course, Stephen. Thank you to Shana Goldman, our fantastic guest. And thank you to our sponsor, ProLine Plus. We'll be back. We're back on our regular schedule now into the swing of the season, heading toward the trade deadline, the stretch run, all that kind of stuff. So keep looking for us every Tuesday. I have no idea how to escape things that I know that I've done. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.